Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are recapping a very, very unfortunate game for the Kansas Jayhawks against Baylor. Um, this is one of those that I am not really sure what to take from that. So, to help me talk it out and kind of figure out what it is we think about this game, what we think this means moving forward, uh, coming back to the podcast like he will do every single uh, week to recap the games, Mike Plank. Mike, how are you doing today? Oh, Andy, I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. I, I honestly, I was surprised that you uh, didn't make some kind of comment about, you know, me roping you into coming and talking about these games afterwards. So hopefully they're not all as painful to watch as this one was. Um, but yeah, go ahead. It's, uh, and we'll get into it. I'm sure in a little bit, but it, it may be a rough year uh, based on if we just kind of base it on what we've seen so far, but I, we'll, we'll get into it. I'm going to be honest though. I mean, I don't know how much more rough of a year it could be than last year. And last year was pretty bad. So, um, you know, let's let's talk about this game. Obviously, coming into the year, I thought that this was theoretically one of the ones that the Jayhawks could have a good chance in to, to pull an upset. Um, that obviously was predicated on Baylor not quite having it all together. Um, and I, I think the main takeaway for me is that this Baylor team is probably a lot more poised and ready to make some noise in the Big 12 than I was anticipating. Uh, well, you and a bunch of other people, right? Uh, right Baylor right. was picked. Baylor has picked to finish eighth in the Big 12. And I've seen a lot of comments on social media about, oh, Baylor had however many, 28 or whatever it was, seniors and super seniors and all these upperclassmen and, and you know, give them a couple of years and, and KU will be right there with them. And, I mean, KU's lost to Baylor 45-7 to seven for, like, each of the last eight years. Like, it, it just has not been a close series yeah. recently. And this was just another repeat of that. Um, and you know, if, 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 if all the upperclassmen meant anything, Baylor would have been picked higher than eight. Right. And maybe they will finish higher than eight. I mean, there's still a lot of football to be played, but the, the fact is, is Kansas played a team that is picked to finish in the bottom third of the big 12 
and just flat was not just didn't belong on the same field with him. Like it was, it was a mismatch. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it is one of those things, like, you you can actually point to very specific reasons why this game played out the way that it did, but for whatever reason, Baylor just always seems to have Kansas' number. And they've done it for a really, really long time. Um, you know, kind of like how Kansas, for the most part, plays really weird games against TCU, either, you know, stays a whole lot closer than they really should, or, you know, they get completely blown out of the water. Baylor always seems to play extremely well against Kansas, regardless of how good the team actually is. You know, there was the one year that I think they were 0-9 coming into the game, and Kansas had won a game prior to that, and Baylor just wiped the floor with them. You know, and it was completely unexpected, but should have been expected based off of the history of these two teams. So it's one of those things where I don't know that I necessarily read as much into this particular game in terms of how well these teams are going to be able to, you know, how, how good they're going to be going into it, because we've seen this so many times. Like, this game, the outcome of this game, doesn't really usually have an effect on how well these teams perform against other Big 12 teams, which is just kind of the fact of the matter. I don't, I don't know why it is. It's one of those really weird things. But for whatever reason, Kansas cannot play well against Baylor no matter where they are. And, and so, like, that's what part of, you know, has me kind of wondering about this. It's like, it, it got to a point in the game, you know, Kansas got it within a touchdown going into half and then coming out in the second half, it just all went to crap. Um, and so like, I don't know what that, what that tells me about this team. I, you know, I, I don't really know what any of this game tells me about this team, because like I said, Baylor usually plays really well against Kansas and there's been stretches where Kansas played well for a quarter or played well for a half, but usually Baylor has one of those quarters where they just score a whole bunch and Kansas can't do anything for whatever reason. I mean, I don't know how much of that though is on these individual players or how much of it is just that weird absurdity that is Kansas versus Baylor. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know how much to look into that. I do think that in general, uh, I mean, I said last week on RCT that uh, that this was a barometer game for Kansas, that we were going to learn one way or another a lot about where Kansas is at this point in time. And I think what we learned is that it's, it's going to be a rough year, kind of like I just talked about. Um, you know, they were completely uncompetitive against a team that's considered to be in the bottom third of their conference. And, I mean, if they can't compete with the bottom third of their conference, then the, you know, conference play is going to be rough. They they may have a chance at home against Texas Tech, who is the ninth place team or pick to finish ninth above Kansas. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, other than that, like K-State looked really good on Saturday. They, they took care of a really solid Nevada team. Um, Oklahoma State knocked off Boise State in Boise. Uh, I mean, the, the rest of the conference is looking, is looking strong and, uh, I mean, I guess Oklahoma struggled a little bit with Nebraska for, I have no idea why, but uh, that yeah, I guess surprised a lot of people. But I don't want to, I don't want to get into a recap of the Big Twelve here. But you know, we're supposed to talk about Kansas Baylor. But um, but yeah, I, I just think that um, being a barometer game, like, like it, it told us exactly where we were, and we still have a long ways to go. And there, and we've talked about the reasons why. You know, the the timing of the light pulled higher and not getting spring ball and having to install an offense and a defense over the summer and then having to implement that in, in what, 20 practices in fall camp. Like there's a lot of reasons why <laughs> they're, right, right. they're a long way from where we want to be. Um, and, and it's not an unexpected place. I don't think, um, I think maybe there was some, you know, some Kool-Aid drinkers out there and maybe some hope that they would be a little bit better than, than what we're seeing. But, um, you know, if Baylor is the bottom third, and maybe Baylor surprises us and finishes second or third in the league, I don't know. 
but if they finish in the bottom third, then, um, you know, then this game definitely told us a lot about where Kansas is right now and, ju- and just how far they have to go and how much they need to improve on. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I, I do think there's an opportunity for Baylor to finish even potentially up in the top third of the league, but I think that's a lot more about what the rest of the league is at this point. There's a lot of middling teams that haven't kind of figured out what it is that they want to do in, in this particular year for whatever reason that like Baylor could end up being a fairly good team in the big 12. I don't know that that tells us that much though, you know, about this Kansas. Like, I, I don't know that you can mitigate just how bad of a game this was for Kansas, but w- what I really saw and, and definitely correct me if you saw something out or, or, you know, let me know if, if, if you saw something else, but like last week, Kansas's offense seemed to be able to do more kind of at will because they didn't have an issue of, you know, the the defensive line for Coastal Carolina was so much bigger than the offensive line for Kansas. You know, you saw a size difference and a you know a strength difference this week is what I thought. You saw that Baylor defensive line and it seemed like every single snap they immediately had their, you know, whichever offensive lineman they were going up against was at immediately two or three steps back behind the line of scrimmage because Baylor is just so much bigger on the defensive line than Kansas is on the offensive line. And we knew that this could potentially be an issue, you know, not like if, if, if you're smaller on the offensive line, you have to have impeccable technique. You have to have impeccable timing and teamwork to be able to overcome that snap after snap after snap. And Kansas just hasn't had the time to develop that and the ability to develop that yet at this point. And so we saw a size advantage really kind of play out. You know, it was very reminiscent of what we saw last year where guys were just getting beat like crazy and getting run over because they were small and they didn't have, you know, good technique and they didn't have, you know, good cohesion there. I mean, were you seeing a lot of the same things or was there something else that I was missing that caused Kansas to have so many problems trying to get anything going offensively? I mean, I don't know that. I don't know that Baylor did have that, what, 350 pound, 350 pound D tackle or whatever, but, uh, um, I I think the offensive and defensive lines are just bad for Kansas. Um, I don't know. The, uh, is there really an appreciative size difference? I guess I haven't looked at, like, the lineups or the rosters or anything. I mean, Kansas is still a, quote-unquote, P5 school. They still recruit, you know, big, heavy linemen on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, I think it comes down to uh, more of a talent difference maybe than a size difference, although – you know, again, to be fair, you know, Baylor did have that one really big D tackle and he made a couple of plays and he definitely collapsed the pocket and he pushed. And I think they used him pretty effectively against our offensive line. But um, but that's been a struggle for Kansas all season. Right. Is, is the especially the offensive line play is, uh, you know, the running backs, I think, are averaging like something like two yards of carry on the year or something like that. And it's not because our running backs stink. Uh, I mean, they're 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 fast. They're they're. They're talented players. They came in highly regarded recruits. Uh, you know, we have good running backs. I think most programs probably do, but I really like our running backs. So I, I don't think it's a talent issue with them. I think it's a a talent issue uh, up front. And, and maybe size has something to do with that, but um, I don't know that it's everything. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely not everything. Um, but, you know, Kansas, in terms of the, the offensive linemen that routinely play – um, you know, for the most part, they're like 300 pounds or less, which, which seems to me as fairly small. Um, maybe I'm, you know, not as familiar with what the, the size of that normally is, but like, you know, uh, Baylor had multiple or has multiple guys that their listed weight are right around 300 as well. So it, yeah, it wasn't like a huge gigantic difference, but it was definitely like typically offensive linemen, 
need to have a little bit more bulk to, to kind of worry about, you know, the guys that are bull rushing from the defense, whether it's linebackers or anyone else. Like, you get a little bit of extra, you know, trying to push through someone than trying to defend and trying to open up holes that way. So, yeah, it, it's maybe not quite as pronounced as I thought it was. But looking at the, the size differences here, I can definitely say that Baylor has bulkier defensive linemen than someone like Coastal Carolina did. And so that at least I think accounts somewhat for the difference there. But again, I, I do think that, uh, you know, part of that too is that Baylor, it just seems to be much better prepared. I, I think also the fact that Baylor's offense is so rush heavy, you know, the way that it is, it allows them to prepare against a team like Kansas who is super rush heavy as well. So like they're they're seeing that in practice every day. You know, they're, they're ready to prepare against something like that. Kansas, I think the biggest problem with Kansas too is that, you know, there, there seems to be some sort of lack of imagination on how they're actually passing or how they're actually performing on, on offense, like what they're actually doing, the play calls. And I, again, I don't know how much of that is lack of preparation just because of the timing of everything that we've already talked about or how much of that is that they just don't feel like they have the ability to actually throw with any kind of regularity because of worries about offensive line getting, you know, completely bull rushed or something to that effect. Um, the, the one stat that kind of jumped out to me that I was really, really concerned about when I, when I looked at it is like for the third straight week, Jason being, or I guess the second straight week, because the first one doesn't actually count in terms of, of, of getting better, but you know, Jason Bean's QBR, like if, if you look ahead at his quarterback rating over the three games, it has consistently gotten better from game to game. But the other thing that kind of jumped out to me is that he's also a passing less each game. So like looking at his, you know, his, his, his game log here, he threw 26 passes in the first game against South Dakota, 23 against Coastal Carolina, and then 17 against Baylor. So, like, his his attempts in terms of throwing have gone down. And and I know that part of that was that, you know, Jalen Daniels came in towards the end of the game, um, so he didn't necessarily have as many opportunities. But it was pretty clear that as the games have gone on, we've leaned more and more on Jason Bean running or handing the ball off to someone else. And that's a big problem because teams are keying in on that and are really able to shut it down because, for the most part, Kansas isn't really trying to pass. I mean, do you can, can you think of either anything that Kansas can do about it or, or, or am I overblowing what the issue is here? Honestly, I think you may be onto something um, because here, here's what I was thinking on the way home from the game Saturday evening was, was this, the Leifold staff, especially the offensive staff came in with a reputation for coaching to their personnel, right? Not trying to force a system like, you know, we're not going to be, um, you know, run and shoot. We're not going to be triple option. We're going to adapt to our players, right? And so what I was thinking was you have a a mobile quarterback who's a great runner and probably an average thrower. You have all these great running backs, and you have a terrible offensive line. So what are we doing on first down? We're handing the ball off and running up the middle. Like it, 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 it doesn't make any sense. Why are we not? Why are we not doing some kind? Why are we not moving the pocket around? Why are we not getting the quarterback in space, giving him some run pass options? They're doing a little read option, but not a lot. You know, why why are we not getting this quarterback and getting him the ball and letting him make plays? Instead, they're trying to, but see, it's also a bit of a two-edged sword though, right, too, because if Kansas is going to win football games this year, they're going to be the underdog from here on out. They, you know, they have been since game two. Right. When you're the underdog, typically the way you win games is, establishing a run, controlling the clock, controlling the ball, not letting the other team have the ball and go score. Like that's one of the, 
one of the things that you have to do typically is shorten the game, keep that clock running. And so is that what they're trying to do? And obviously that's not working because of the condition of the offensive line. So it, maybe it's time to try, you know, maybe it's time to open up the, off, the playbook a little bit, start rolling out, start, you know, doing some more RPOs, that type of stuff. I, I mean, you also have the potential for, you know, more interceptions or more fumbles or more bad decisions, I guess, you know, if you're not just handing the ball off, right? So it's a bit of a two-edged sword. And um, after three games, I'm kind of starting to get a little frustrated with the offense, even though I know it's not very good. But, like, I just want to see us try something different because running into a brick wall for three games in a row is getting frustrating. Yeah, it's – I mean, it, it is one of those things, kind of like what you were talking about, where they are playing to their strengths. And and definitely the strengths of this team is you have a, a quarterback who's really good at running ball, and he's shown how, how electric he can be running. And so, yes, naturally you're going to kind of gear more towards getting out and using his legs. Um, and you have a really, really good stable of running backs. But the problem, of course, is – you know, trying to run really good running backs behind a subpar offensive line, you know, you, you have to think that at some point the realization is that you're probably going to have better results using that running game to open things up for the passing game and, and then, you know, involving some more passing, which would then theoretically open things back up for the running game so it can be more effective. We are basically seeing a, hey, this team is really good at running. Like, they have really good rushers. They have really good players at, at, at the running back position. Let's lean on that, but it's not working because everybody knows that's exactly what Kansas is going to do. And so, you know, at some point you have to recalibrate and say, hey, this isn't going to be as effective, not because our players aren't as good, but because everybody knows that this is what we're going to do. So let's, let's you know, zig where, where everyone expects us to zag. Um, you know, like you were talking about, some, some bootlegs out with some throws down the field. When Kansas does that kind of stuff, it actually works out pretty well because everybody is keying so much in on the run that, you know, things are open downfield. We've seen Jason Bean be able to do that. I just don't know if there's enough confidence there, either from the coaching staff or from the players, that they can do that consistently over the course of a game. And, and I think that's the biggest problem. It's not that Kansas doesn't have the ability to do things. It's that they aren't confident enough. And, and I, again, I don't know how much of this is, you know, the the shortened time frame that they had to get everybody on the same page or what exactly is, is keeping them from, from actually opening things up more, but they just don't seem to be confident enough in the abilities of the wide receivers and being to get the ball to the wide receivers for them to actually go ahead and consistently do that. You know, there's, there's been a lot of really good things that this Kansas team has done, especially defensively. The problem is that we're running into the same sort of thing offensively where players just are not, you know, for whatever reason on the offense, they're not getting anything going. And, and it definitely seems to be a combination of certain players not able to, you know, to, to do what they need to do. But we're back in the same sort of situation where our, our offensive coaching staff just doesn't seem to be utilizing the players as well as they possibly could. And that's supposed to be their strength. Again, you know, maybe if you look at each individual player or like the actual talent that we have, like it makes sense to lean so much on the run. I just don't know that there's a recognition of the actual you know, what's actually happening in the games. And, and, and I don't know if this is a, look, we all know this is going to be a really bad season anyway, so let's just get through it, keep people healthy, you know, develop what we can in the framework of what we're doing and not, you know, be absolutely ridiculous and, and turn the ball over a bunch of times. Or if it's a, well, I mean, I, I don't know what else it could be. It, it seems to me like that's the goal is to try to avoid turning a ball over as much as possible and just getting through the year. Yeah, and they definitely made that emphasis in fall camp that, you know, whoever the quarterback was going to be was going to be the one who made the fewest mistakes and didn't and took care of the ball, didn't turn it over. And 
we've definitely seen that out of Jason Bean. I mean, he doesn't have a single turnover through three games. Right. Um, so I, I think that's definitely an emphasis on the staff is, 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 is ball control and, 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 you know, run the clock and control the clock and, and try to give yourself a chance without, you know, by not turning the ball over and, you know, you never know when your defense is going to get six turnovers, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, I do want to kind of jump over to the defense. Cause honestly, I thought there was a lot of good stuff that the defense did, but before we do that, um, do want to, you know, mention the sponsor we have here on the Rock Chalk Podcast. That would be Symbol. Symbol is the stock market for sports, allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. They've blended sports in the stock market to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams or even maybe some teams that aren't your favorite. You can use that, that sports knowledge that you have to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Um, obviously, Kansas, it looks like it's going to be a struggle if you if you pick up Kansas, but Given that it is a stock market, though that value can appreciate, which is what I'm hoping on for the shares of Kansas that I actually have. Uh, but there's plenty of other teams there that for you to invest in and find ways to make money right now, because there's a lot of Big 12 teams and other teams around college football that I think are kind of mispriced and will give you an opportunity to jump in and, and get some of those really, really great returns. But Symbol is offering a very special giveaway to the 1012 Network and the Rock Chalk Podcast here. They're going to be holding a drawing to give away two tickets to a Big 12 game of your choice. All you have to do is sign up for Symbol, make a $25 deposit using promo code CHALK12, and you'll be entered into a chance to win two tickets to your favorite team's game this season. doesn't even necessarily have to be your favorite team, just a, t- a, you know, a Big 12 game that you want to go to. Um, I also don't actually think it's, it's limited only to football. So, you know, definitely I would recommend getting in there and, and, uh, and you know, investing there with Symbol. I'm in there. I have Kansas, like I said. Uh, you know, I, there's a bunch of really great stuff happening over there. But to, to, to get involved, all you need to do is go to symbol.app. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P to create a free account. And again, when you deposit, make sure you use that promo code CHALK12 for a chance to win two tickets to a Big 12 game of your choice. All right. So, obviously, um, you know, that was it was a big struggle to watch that game. And, uh, you know, but there were a few good things to kind of take away from that. And actually, before we get to the defense, I need to go ahead and throw it to a quick break so we can hear about the other podcasts we have here on the 10 Network. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy J. N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. Are you a Big 12 basketball obsessed fan and have nowhere to go for just all of your Big 12 basketball information? Look no further because Midwest Madness is here just for you. We talk men's and women's basketball all year long with exclusive interviews, guests that come on to talk about each team, game recaps once the season begins, and so much more content you won't know what to deal with. So for all of your Big 12 basketball needs, Midwest Madness is your place to go. Listen on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And we're back. All right, here with Mike Plank, editor-in-chief over at Rock Chalk Talk. And Mike, it wasn't all doom and gloom from the team. I realize that the, the score of 45 to 7 doesn't necessarily make you think that this is actually the case, but there was actually a lot of really good play from the defense for a good portion of this game. Um, well, I, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you first. Do you agree with that statement? And if so, 
who do you think the best performers from defense that we need to highlight are? <laughs> I actually almost wholeheartedly disagree with that statement. Um, Kansas, Kansas, uh, Baylor had over eight yards per play. That's not good. They converted over half of their third downs and they converted both of their fourth down attempts. Also not good. Kansas did have a couple of turnovers. They forced a couple of fumbles, recovered both of them. And that helped keep the score respectable. But I mean, Baylor had nearly 600 yards of total offense, despite the two turnovers. Um, I mean, it was just that, that there were some, just, I mean, just there are in any game. I, you know, there's some individual highlights. I heard Caleb Sampson's name a lot in the first quarter, especially. Um, he had a couple of big tackles at the line of scrimmage and maybe even a tackle for loss. And, and uh, O.J. Burroughs had a good game. He recovered it. Well, I think he recovered a fumble, and Romello Dotson maybe recovered the other one. Um, I think maybe O.J. Burroughs forced another one as well. But uh, So he had a pretty decent game. Kenny Logan led the team in tackles, I believe. Um, so those are the guys that kind of stand out a little bit, but, uh, uh, I mean, as a, as a team effort, it was, uh, not good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things too, though, where you almost kind of have to look at this as the tale of two halves, because it became pretty clear after Kansas couldn't do anything offensively in the second half, like on that first, that first drive that this defense was completely just, you know, they, they had lost all heart at that point. And at that point you had a lot of other players coming in, like the first team defense that played in the first half. Yes, you know, they allowed two touchdowns, but for the most part, they actually did fairly well. They were able to keep Baylor from doing a lot of stuff. And, you know, you talk about the yards per play that they had there. Um, that was inflated heavily by gigantic plays that were happening in the second half when it was pretty clear that Kansas' offense wasn't going to keep them in the game. And, you know, Kansas was trying to shuffle in players to get them experience and, and do a bunch of different stuff. So, yes, like I, I, I do agree over the course of the entire game, it was bad. And it, it, you know, it became pretty clear in that second half that they just gave up and it was just kind of like, okay, let's, let's just get out of here. Let's make sure we don't get hurt. Let's not do anything. But I think we're, we're seeing a similar sort of issue to what we see to a lot of Kansas defense where the whole defense looks bad on a statistical basis because it becomes pretty clear early in that second half that nothing is going to go right for them in that particular game. And the offense isn't going to give them even an opportunity. So even if they were to stop them every single time, there's absolutely no way that the, that the offense can do enough to allow them to actually have an opportunity to, to get in the game. And so, you know, it, it, it yes, it, it sucks. It makes the stats look bad, but I do think that Kansas defense consistently gets underrated in close competitive games for that particular reason. Um, now that being said, obviously, yes, the second half stats do count. Um, you know, they do get counted against this defense, um, but you know, I, I do agree that we're definitely some guys that did some really great things. You know, um, you said that, that, uh, oh, hold on. Sorry. I'm trying to figure out who it was that forced those two fumbles. Like you're talking about, you know, but yeah, I mean, Kansas did get two fumbles, did, did force two fumbles and recovered them. And it's one of those things where like Logan was all over the place. Like you said, you had a bunch of guys that were doing really, really good things, especially in that first half. But the fact that there were so many gigantic plays in that second half kind of overshadows a lot of it. Um, there obviously is still a lot of work to go, but I don't necessarily think that the defense is quite as bad as a 45 to seven score would make you think, because again, you know, that, that second half, it was, it was definitely a tale of two halves there. The first half, they had a lot of really key plays that while yes, Baylor went down and scored on the first drive. Um, you know, it was a nine play 75 yard drive kind of punched them in the mouth. 
but, you know, they forced a fumble on the second drive there to keep it close. And then we're able to do enough throughout the rest of the, of the, the first half there to keep the game from getting out of hand at that point. And then, so yes, I mean, I, I do agree with you that as an, as an overall team, like that was unacceptable the way that that came out and it makes them look really, really bad. But I mean, am, am, am I just trying to find really good silver linings or is there potentially something to the fact that, you know, Kansas was able to keep it really close and play really well defensively for the first half and the second half, everything just fell apart. Yeah, Andy, I hate to do this to you, but um, in that first quarter, Baylor averaged 7.9 yards per play. Well, again, I mean, a lot of that, though, <laughs> because because if you look at it, you know, that was that was those two drives. One of them ended in the fumble. And I mean, the entire quarter was those basically two drives where they went down nine plays, 75 yards. The second right. drive was and, 10 plays, five, 54 yards. So, again, 5.4 right. there. Had the, and they had the ball for 11 minutes in the first quarter. And yeah, and, yeah, and they, they did whatever they wanted offensively because, again, you know, the Kansas just isn't good enough up front. Baylor could run. They could, I think they only had five incompletions on the entire day. Um, I mean, they did whatever they wanted offensively except for, you know, putting the ball on the ground. I'm sure they didn't want to do that. But, <laughs> but yeah, they, 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 they stopped themselves. I, I don't know that Kansas ever really stopped them. Because, um, again, like I said, they converted – over half their third downs, I converted both their fourth downs, including on the opening drive of the game. Um, yeah, that was that was definitely annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and yeah, it was just. Uh, I mean, at at the end of the first quarter, I think Baylor had something like 170 yards of offense, and we had negative eight. So it, it was not a good start to the game, and and like you said, it only got worse in the second half. So um, yeah, it, just an overall not good effort. No, I, I, I agree that the rushing defense was absolutely atrocious. Um, and, and I don't know how, I mean, again, trying to look for silver linings here. I don't know that anyone else in the Big 12 has a one-two punch of running backs that are as good um, as what Baylor has, you know, in, in Ebner and, uh, and Smith. But, again, yeah. it's also, I don't know that you necessarily need to have a one-two punch as good as those two to, to have that kind of success if Kansas can't get it figured out. Um, you know, right. if, I, I don't... And I think that's the biggest problem is that we don't know how much of these problems are from, you know, not having a lot of time together to get schemes put together and get everything that they want, like, you know, or, or developing guys or things like that. So, like, I don't know how much of this is just features of this defense and how much of it is things that are going to develop over time. And so by the end of the year, we won't necessarily be seeing these sorts of problems or at least not as much. And of course, the it doesn't help that the schedule doesn't really line up very well for them to have that opportunity to actually go ahead and you know be able to to really show that because the the schedule gets a lot tougher as you go throughout the throughout the entire year. And so it's not like it's going to be a you know things are going to ease up and at the very end of the season you're going to be able to see hey did they finally get everything put together and we have you know one or two games at the end of the season where they can really show stuff and potentially get an upset and make us feel really good. Like you're going to go into the end of the year and like. Maybe maybe that West Virginia game you thought going into the end of the or going into the season could have been a game where things get a little bit lighter at the very end and we can, you know, kind of use that as a final exam to say, hey, did they get it all put together? Do they fig did they get it figured out so we can feel really good? But I think that West Virginia is actually a lot better team than people are giving, gonna give them credit for. And we could see a West Virginia team at the end of the year that is fighting for a really good bowl spot, or even potentially, you know, depending on how much Iowa State stumbles down the stretch could potentially be fighting for, you know, a spot in the Big 12 championship. So you're not going to get that kind of letting up at the end 
where we can really see what, what Kansas has been able to put together. So it may not get any better this year. I'm hoping that it does, especially with the two, with the two or with two of the next three games that they have coming up on the schedule. But uh, yeah, so Mike, thanks for entirely bringing the mood down. Um, <laughs> someone had to do it. I'm just glad it wasn't me. So no, yeah. <laughs> but no, well, I, 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 I do want to talk about this next game though, because of, of, of course we're going to have a preview coming up later this week before the game actually happens. But um, you're actually going to be at this next game, the, the game against Duke. Um, and, you know, you have a really, really fantastic road uh, road victory streak going, right? Um, where, you know, this is an opportunity for Kansas to potentially do something. And it also helps that, you know, Duke isn't really that great of a team from what we've seen so far. So anything, though, that jumps out to you about this particular game, anything from this game against Baylor that makes you have to take a step back and, you know, and think that potentially Duke is going to grind Kansas to dust no matter what? Um, well, let's start with that last question first. Yes. <laughs> um, now Duke actually um, just doing a quick preliminary look at their, at their roster and what they've done so far. You know, they've got a quarterback that's completing over 70, 70% of his passes. Their top two running backs are both averaging more than six yards per carry. Um, I, I mean, they, <laughs> as well as Baylor ran against us, I think, just kind of have this feeling that Duke is going to try to do the same thing. Uh, Mateo Durant is there. It looks like they're starting running back. He has 66 carries so far on the air. He's averaging six yards a carry on an impressive volume on 66 carries. That's 22 carries a game. So, uh, you know, those are Gail Sayers type numbers. If you want a comparison. Um, so yeah, that, that, that worries me just looking at that on the surface. Um, but you're right. Uh, the last two road games I've been to, uh, we have won at Boston College and at Central Michigan. Although I'm not completely undefeated. I'm not completely perfect. Uh, uh, I did attend the uh, last game against Nebraska in Lincoln, and we did drop that one. So I don't have a perfect record on the road, but, you know, I am riding a two-game winning streak, so cross your fingers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride that, that winning streak as long as we possibly can because – Honestly, Kansas can use it. And if you are looking, you know, for silver linings there for, you know, looking at what Duke does, you know, they, they racked up a bunch of stats against a Charlotte team that really is not that great and still lost. That, that was on the road. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it sucks playing on the road a lot of times. You know, they played a North Carolina A&T team and, and beat them quite soundly, but that is an FCS team that isn't really expected to be a fantastic team, uh, and they racked up a whole bunch of stats there. So take what you will from that. You know, I don't, I don't know comparatively what that team looks like compared to like a South Dakota. Um, you know, so, so theoretically, like you can read that potentially well that Duke did a lot. I mean, they, they racked up a ton of stats in that particular game. And yes, they did beat Northwestern at home last week. Um, but Northwestern is being talked about as easily the worst team in the big 10, uh, which again, probably puts them still above KU, but, uh, (laughs) but it also, you know, I I mean, I, I don't, I don't necessarily know that you can look at that and say, oh my gosh, they, you know, they beat Northwestern. They, from, from what I can see here, it looks like they had a few uh, pretty, pretty good bounces to kind of help them. Um, yeah. I mean, Northwestern turned the ball over four times. Yeah. yeah they, the Northwestern had a rough first half and I think Duke got up on them like 30 to seven or something like that. And then Northwestern tried to come back in the second. Duke didn't score at all in the second half of that game. Yeah. Um, um, and, but, uh, and Duke yeah. also, I mean, Duke also turned the ball over a bunch as well. So like, there's definitely opportunities. 
for things to, to help. I'm sorry. Northwestern yeah. turned the ball over five times. Duke turned the ball over three yeah. times. So there's definitely an opportunity with this opportunistic defense that Kansas has for them to come out and make a statement and do something to at least make it so that Duke isn't, you know, like really what it comes down to is that the offense needs to have a good first half where they don't make a bunch of mistakes. And, and that's the one thing I think works in Kansas favor is that coming out of the gate, they don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't run hot and turn the ball over a whole bunch, which is how Duke built that giant lead against Northwestern and wasn't able to hang on. Or, and, I'm sorry, and, and was barely able to hang on at that point. Because uh, Northwestern... To be fair, Duke also had almost 600 yards of total offense, too. So they, yeah, they got five turnovers from Northwestern, but they moved the ball when they got it. So Right, right. Well, and, and honestly, it looked like, though, that Northwestern moved the ball quite a bit, too. Because, um, I mean, Northwestern ended up with with 418 yards of offense as well. So, and yeah. they turned the ball over five times. So, like, they were moving the ball right, quite right. a bit. <laughs> weren't able to do a whole lot to, to punch it in at the end. But, you know, that, that tells me that this is probably going to be a wide open, up and down game. That whoever is able to make the least number of mistakes is going to put themselves in a good position. And the way that Kansas has played so far this year makes me think that that at least gives them a decent shot. Um, yes, Duke probably is is, you know... A, a better team than the one team that Kansas did beat in South Dakota. And yes, it's on the road. So it's going to be a little bit of a struggle, but I do think that this is the perfect kind of recipe. If Kansas is going to get that second win, this is probably the best opportunity to get it just because Duke has a lot of warts of their own that Kansas can potentially exploit. So, all right. Yeah, and that, Go ahead. That follows with, um, with, you know, the, all the preseason projections and even the advanced stats like the S and P plus and stuff like that. Um, Going by all those different metrics, this is KU's best chance at a win for the rest of the year. I think somewhere around 33, 34% uh, chance of winning. The line just came out a couple hours ago. KU's a 14 and a half point underdog. That may be the closest line we see the rest of the year with the possible exception of Texas Tech at home in a couple weeks. Right. But, uh, but yeah, if KU's going to get a game, it really needs to be this one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you actually talked about that Texas Tech game. You know, that is that is going to be on the 16th. That is homecoming. And the perfect thing to have before we get to homecoming, because, you know, you know, if, if you're going to that game, you're going to want to go ahead and do some absolutely fantastic tailgating. And I would recommend that if you're going to do that, that you should do so with a custom grill grate from our other sponsor here on the podcast, Gridiron Metalworks. Gridiron, uh, they are where you can get high-quality metal home goods for the college super fan in your life, whether that's you or someone else that, that you're really close to. You can find collegiate-branded grill grates, griddles, any number of home decor items, including flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, and can coolers, and more. All of these are in actual school colors, not just the, oh, it's really close colors that a lot of other manufacturers use. You know, I, I have some stuff from, from Gridiron. I have the desk plaque, which is a really fantastic Jayhawk head with the word Kansas next to it. Uh, I have one of the bookends. It looks fantastic on my shelf. And, you know, I love Gridiron stuff so much. I actually had them take the Rock Chalk Podcast logo and turn it into a sign that's hanging on my wall. It's absolutely fantastic. I, I absolutely love it. You know, when I do get a grill, because I am grill shopping at this point, otherwise I would already have one. I've already told my wife that when I get a grill, I, you know, we have to include in that an order of a custom grill grate that has the Jayhawks on it. It's absolutely fantastic stuff. It looks really fantastic i highly recommend you go out and get one and if you order now you probably should have it in enough time for that homecoming matchup against texas tech but uh you know everything at gridiron metal is high quality made in the usa and they continue to add new products all the time for all the schools that they have just go to gridironmetal.com use promo code chalk 12 and you can get 15 percent off of your entire first order and every order that's over 100 dollars gets free shipping again go to gridironmetal.com use promo code chalk 12 and get 15 percent off your entire first order 
I absolutely guarantee that you will absolutely enjoy everything you have, whether it's you're getting it for you or the other college football fans in your life. All right. So Mike finishing up here. Um, I, I hate to finish on a really, really sour note. And then we kind of had a little bit of, you know, good, good uh, vibes, I guess, going into Duke. But um, I mean, looking through what we've learned from this game or, or looking forward, like what is a silver lining that Kansas can take, whether it's from this game or the upcoming schedule or, or anything for this Kansas football team? Like why, why should we not lose complete hope that Kansas is going to be good at all at any point through the rest of the season? Uh, well, honestly, uh, Jason Bean himself, I think, is worth the price of admission. Um, if you don't have – if you can't talk yourself into any other reason to go to a KU football game this year or to watch on TV or anything like that, just do it for him, man. He's a lot of fun to watch, um, especially when he gets in space. Um, hopefully they'll work on, on getting him in space and letting him make some more plays. But uh, uh, for me, that that's the exciting part of going to games this fall. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can see the team around him improve as the as the weeks go by but uh i think he's definitely reason number one right now yeah i mean and and i think reason one b you know jason bean being one a one one b is kenny logan it seems like every single week he has a fantastic play you know does something absolutely spectacular gives a highlight out there you can tell that logan is, is a guy that is going to play on sundays when he's done with his college career, the question really is just how much does he do for Kansas? And can he be part of, you know, the, the turnaround for Kansas in the next year or two, that's going to kind of get them back on the map there. Um, Logan is absolutely fantastic, whether it's a special teams run back or, you know, big hits, um, you know, in, in the actual defensive, you know, scheme and all of that. So I, yes, I agree. Logan and Bean are probably the two main reasons that you still want to go to these games. You still want to tune in because they are going to do something in every single game that makes you say, Oh my gosh, that was amazing. And gives you hope that this Kansas team is going to get it turned around, that they have the talent to get it turned around once they can finally get everything to, you know, gel cohesively and be able to push on from there. So, all right, Mike, well, that is going to do it for us today. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Um, anything you have coming up this week over on Rock Chalk Talk that you want to make sure that people are are taking a look at? I mean, nothing out of the out of the usual. We'll we'll take a look at Duke and uh, we'll get ready for that game. And uh, you know, if there happen to be any listeners out there that have any uh, recommendations for you know something to do in Durham or you know a uh, uh, and some place to eat or anything like that, you know, definitely. Uh, Definitely let us know one way or another, and uh, we'll check it out. And and uh, we'll give you full in-person coverage from, from the game, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fantastic. I am looking forward to the view from section whatever you happen to be in. Um, it was great when we won in, at Boston College, and I'm definitely looking forward to it for, for this one coming up. So, all right, Mike, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please go out wherever you get your podcasts, for us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast, get every episode as soon as it comes out. To give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. If for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you every inf- all, all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people who want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod or by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can also just go ahead and send us a voicemail because we're on the Anchor platform. You can do that. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message. And I promise we'll get your voice on the show. I'm definitely looking for any reactions, any questions you have to get those on the show. I want to hear from you guys. So definitely go out and do that. 
Um, we are on the 1012 network. Like I, I mentioned earlier, we have a lot of great shows covering all the teams in the Big 12 conference. I'm over on the main podcast every single Monday as well. So if you go on Twitter at 1012 network, that's T-E-N-1-2 network, you can find links to all the shows that we have there. It's a lot of great stuff. I, I highly recommend it. And, and of course, before we get out of here, just remind you guys to go visit our fantastic sponsors, whether it's Symbol, where you can you know get involved in investing in teams, or Gridiron, where you find absolutely great stuff for your tailgate or for your home decor. Um, go to both of those places. Use promo code CHOCK12 to get some really great deals there. But that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening, Mike. Thank you so much for joining me. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big 10, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.